May we have your attention, please? One of the worst railway accidents in Britain in living memory happened about a mile from Clapham Junction Station just after 8am on Monday the 12th of December 1988. Faulty signal wiring led to an accident that involved three separate trains. As a result, 35 people died and nearly 500 were injured. One of the recommendations from the public inquiry into the accident led to the formation of what has become RSSB, the Rail Safety and Standards Board, as an independent body. One part of RSSB's implicit safety remit is to analyse and learn lessons that will help the railway to continually improve its safety record and reduce the risk of working or travelling on the railway. One person who embodies the importance of corporate memory and of lessons learned is RSSB's own Greg Morse. Part of his job title now is Operational Feedback Lead, which means he's responsible for recording the lessons learned from operational incidents so that we can try to stop them happening again. Greg, welcome to the RSSB podcasts. I'm sure many listeners will be familiar with your work, even if they don't know it. So as a first-time guest, could I ask you to introduce yourself and tell our listeners how you came to your current role with the railway? Thanks very much, Anne. It's nice to be here talking to everyone today. Much of what I do at RSSB involves looking below the trend lines at qualitative data, and that feeds into some of my regular reports, Rail Accident and Instant News, for example. But more importantly, to the various state-of-the-nation papers we produce for each of the cross-industry risk groups. But qualitative data also embodies stories and storytelling, and that's where lessons we've learned in the past can come in. And this sort of material features in our Level Crossing Digest, which has just entered its fourth edition, our Red series of briefing films, Right Track magazine, and a lot of presentations to the industry. Amazingly, I've been doing this sort of thing for getting on for 17 years now, although being born in a railway town, Swindon, to a railway family means I suppose that there was a certain inevitability about it all. Thank you very much, Greg, and welcome. This is going to be the first of a series of podcasts about how and what we can learn from operational accidents and incidents and about things that might lead to them happening. The Clapham accident is a leading feature of many pieces of your work, so could I ask you to start by describing that incident in a bit more detail than I did? The driver of a packed commuter train heading from Basingstoke to Waterloo saw a signal just ahead of him turn from red to green. Unable to stop at the signal, Whiskey Foxtrot 138, he stopped at the next one, as the rule book required, to report the fault. The following train, a service from Poole to Waterloo, passed Whiskey Foxtrot 138, which was still green. As the train rounded the curve and entered a cutting, its driver saw the Basingstoke train ahead. He threw out all the anchors, applied the emergency brake, but was unable to stop before the inevitable rear-end collision. The impact forced the pool train sideways and into the path of an oncoming empty service. Thank you, Greg. That's described the accident itself. Would you now talk about what it was that caused the accident to happen? What caused that signal to be faulty in the first place? I will. It's really all about the management of change behind it all, specifically the replacement of the 1930s signalling system, which was a major asset upgrade, as you can imagine. The age of this old equipment and the brittleness that went with some of the wiring was starting to compromise the integrity of the infrastructure. The solution was something British Rail called the Waterloo Area Resignalling Scheme, which would see the installation of new signal boxes and new four-aspect signals in the area, including in and around Clapham Junction. On the evening of the 27th of November 1988, an overtired under-trained technician left a bare live wire dangling in a relay room at Clapham Junction A. He didn't cut it back or insulate it properly. 
Two weeks later, further work jolted the wire, causing it to touch a terminal, make a connection, and prevent Whiskey Foxtrot 138 from returning to danger after the train from Basingstoke had passed. Thank you, Greg. How did those errors come to be made? Good question, Anne. The person who did the work certainly didn't set out to make a mistake. They were very very conscientious, in fact. But in reality, these mistakes resulted from inadequate training over a number of years and poor supervision at the time the work was going on, including the fact that the work wasn't specifically being checked. A significant causal factor was also fatigue. The technician had worked 13 straight seven-day weeks in the run-up to the incident. He claimed at the inquest that he wasn't tired, but much less was known about sleep, debt, and so on in those days. That was quite a few years ago, so are we in a better place in our industry now regarding fatigue? Yes, I'm pleased to say we have. Among the uh, inquiry reports, many recommendations was one to ensure that overtime is monitored so that no individual is working excessive levels of overtime. And this led to the development of criteria for what was considered acceptable levels of working and a process to monitor it. And fatigue management has indeed developed even more since then. And we now have a whole new guidance on managing the risk from fatigue. It's also a key part of our industry's leading health and safety on Britain's railway strategy, with a number of specific work streams focusing on it. Thank you, Greg. So fatigue was a significant factor, but what else was in the causal chain? In major incidents like this, there are usually organisational factors, aren't there? That's right. We combat complacency with continued vigilance, and arguably BR at that time was complacent because it had not been continuously vigilant. In fact, in reorganising for what it called sectorisation, dividing into business units, it had bled, just as Jerry Fines had warned in his seminal book, I Tried to Run a Railway 20 Years Before. In fact, the Southern Region's S&T department had been veritably turned upside down, its chief having spent most of the previous year agonising about all of it. Plus sachange, you might say. Uh, plus c'est la même chose, as the French say. For those who don't speak French, it translates roughly as the more things change, the more they stay the same. But we know we have made big improvements to safety management in the last 20 years. Clapham was a long time ago. So, Greg, is it still relevant to the railway today? In a word, yes, Anne, it is. Over the Christmas and New Year period of 2016-17, for example, extensive re-signalling and track remodelling work was being carried out in and around Cardiff Central. Some of the new layout was brought into use on the 29th of December 2016. At 08.37 that day, the driver of a Treherbert service noticed that the points his train was about to take were not in the correct position. He stopped the train just before reaching them. As Simon French, Rape's chief inspector, said, this alarming incident serves as a timely reminder of how easily things can go wrong when railway infrastructure is being upgraded and renewed. The events at Cardiff, he went on, showed how easy it is to forget the lessons of Clapham and slip back into those habits under the time pressures of a big commissioning. A few months later, in August 2017, a train departed Waterloo on a green aspect but was rerouted and collided with an engineer's train on the adjacent line. Luckily, the driver saw the way the points were set and managed to brake, meaning the collision occurred at low speed and resulted in no injury. Modification to the wiring of the point detection circuits meant that a desk set up to aid testing no longer simulated the detection of the points in question correctly, because it hadn't been modified to take account of the detection circuit modifications. On the weekend of the 12th and 13th of August 2017, while trains had been stopped from running on the lines leading to these points, a temporary wiring mod was made in the relay room in a bid to restore the correct operation of the relevant switch on that test desk. But the mod wasn't reviewed by a signalling designer and was wrongly left in place when the railway was returned to operation on the morning of the 14th. 
Thanks, Craig. So remembering lessons learned in the past can help us manage risk in the future. Definitely. One thing Clapham can do is remind us to look at railways as whole systems, something we don't always seem to consider when the work of one sector cuts across that of another. Everyone needs to understand how their action or inaction can affect safety, and that's from senior managers to people insulating wires, tightening fasteners, actually doing the work. Clapham also emphasised the importance of understanding and managing risk. The inquiry suggested BR had become almost blind to the risk from wrong side failures, which is what we call them, contrasting it with its focus on SPAD risk. BR was probably right to put proportionately more focus on SPAD risk, but not to the exclusion of wrong side failures, or any other hazard come to that. Of course, it's totally rational to put most risk reduction effort into the areas where risk is highest or where there's the most scope for risk reduction. But we do have to keep our risk assessments fresh. And that means looking regularly at what we do, the risks from doing it and how to do it safely. The inquiry was damning about BR's failure to collect information on wrong side failures systematically. But after Clapham, it tightened up its safety arm and centralised recording by bringing together previously disparate sets of information into one database the forerunner of today's SMIS, the Safety Management Intelligence System. Mind you, data and information are only of any use if we analyse results, understand what they mean, and act on them out on the railway, not just on paper. Now, there's a call to action. Thank you, Greg, for getting us started, setting the scene for what is going to be an ongoing series about how important it is both to learn lessons from previous experience and not to forget them. Our plans include future episodes on other lessons that will help make our railways a better, safer place to both work and travel. We will doubtless look more at fatigue, but also at other factors that have led to accidents and incidents across the range of people, signalling, rolling stock, infrastructure, policies and process, and doubtless other things that I haven't mentioned here. I hope you'll join us for more insights into what we can learn from. If you have any ideas for this or any other episodes you'd like to hear, please email me at podcasts at rssb.co.uk. But for now, thank you for listening. And until the next time, stay safe.